welcome to our drive time devotions to the book of Romans. We are in week two, looking at chapter two of Romans this week. Today, we're going to look at Romans chapter two, verses one to five. As we start this second week, I thought it might be good to give a sort of a you are here picture. You know how when you walk into a mall, they'll have a, a dot that shows you where you are in that great big mall. There's a lot of concepts in Romans. So as we start each week, we'll probably take a few minutes to realize where we are in the study of this incredible book. Remember that last week we talked about the fact that Romans is a history-changing book and that we, to understand God's truth, have the power to change history by understanding God's truth. We talked last week about the outline of the book of Romans, that it helps us to understand the truth about sin, salvation, sanctification, sovereignty, and, and service. Sin in chapters 1 through 3, salvation in the rest of chapter 3 through chapter 5, sanctification, our growth in chapters 6 through 8, God's sovereignty in chapters 9 through 11, and then service in chapters 12 to 16. We are in the midst of Romans chapters 1 through 3. We're talking about sin. In order to change, in order to see change in my life, in order to see radical change in our world, in order to see change in history, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves about sin. In the last chapter we saw together, there's no excuse for our sin because we can all know God from what he's made. In Romans chapter 2, we're going to see a second reason that we have no excuse for our sin. The first was creation. A second reason is our conscience. We can all know God from what he has made from creation, but we can also all know God from how we are made, from our conscience. There's something built into every one of us that understands there is, there is a God. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says this, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Romans, the second chapter, is a chapter that's all about the problem of being judgmental. There is lots of confusion about being judgmental in the world today. And Romans chapter 2 clears up a lot of that confusion. It tells us the difference between being judgmental and trusting God as the judge. If you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says, danger, bridge out, one of the worst things you can do is think, that sign's not for me. It must mean someone else. When we talk about being judgmental, we're talking about a sin that we are all in danger of, that keeps many people from getting to know and understand the true God, who he is and what he wants to do. This is a sin that all of us are going to have to deal with the rest of our lives, this sin, this struggle with judgmentalism. So I want to take a look together through Romans chapter 2 at what God has to say about it. There's a definition that God has of being judgmental that I think might be different than ours. And it's vital to understand. Being judgmental is one of the most dangerous of sins, but we miss the point if we allow false, silly, confusing definitions of being judgmental to replace God's clear word. No one wants to be judgmental, but a lot of people end up being judgmental. So what do you watch out for? Well, Romans chapter 2, the first few verses tells us. Watch out for, first of all, condemning others while excusing yourself. That's what we just read in the first verse. You have no excuse. You who condemn others and yet excuse yourself. Now, who hasn't done this? We've all done this, beginning when we were kids, pointed the finger at someone else, hoping to keep the blame off of us. In fact, you might be doing it right now. Instead of thinking right now in this moment about how you might be judgmental, you might be thinking about how big a problem others are having with being judgmental. Remember, 
as we read these words about being judgmental, that Paul was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were a, a very judgmental group. They tried their best to keep all the laws of the Old Testament and were very judgmental toward those who did not. And so Paul certainly knew and understood the attitude that he was talking about. He certainly understood who he was talking to because he'd struggled with this himself. And he says in these verses, whenever you judge others, you're judging yourself. You might remember in the, in the Old Testament the story of David and the prophet Naaman. David had committed sin with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and then he had had Bathsheba's husband put forward in battle so that he was killed. Two sins, the sin of adultery and the sin of murder. And yet no one was confronting David with this sin, and he wasn't accepting that he had sinned. Naaman the prophet went to David and told him the story of a man who had only one sheep and another man who lived next door who had many, many sheep. And he'd come and stolen the one sheep of this one man. And David, who'd grown up as a shepherd, you might remember, was just incensed. He was filled with anger. And he said to Naaman, who is this man? And Naaman said, you are the man. When David judged others, he was judging himself. We all struggle with this. We need to realize that one of the keys behind understanding our own judgmentalism is we try to hide from our own sins by judging others. You can see a second attitude behind our being judgmental in verses 2 to 4 of Romans chapter 2. Those verses say, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. A second attitude behind our judgmentalism is contempt for God's plan. I hope you heard as I was reading those verses three aspects of God's plan, kindness, tolerance, and patience. Our plan oftentimes is that God should act sternly and swiftly against sin. Other sin, that is, not our sin, other people's sin. That God would somehow call fire down on them, especially if they've hurt us. And then maybe they'll repent, but we don't really care about that in that moment. We're just angry. God's plan is different. This is an amazing verse. God's kindness leads us to repentance. In fact, this is such an amazing verse. We're going to take some time later this week just to focus in on this phrase. God's kindness, God's tolerance, God's patience. Tolerance. There are a lot of definitions of tolerance in the world today, but here's a biblical definition. Tolerance is God tolerating the pain that sin causes while he waits for us to repent. Thomas Carlyle once said, Foolish men imagine that because judgment for an evil thing is delayed, there is no justice, but only accident here below. Judgment for an evil thing is many times delayed, some day or two, some century or two, but it is as sure as life, as sure as death. We have to trust in God's plan. And when we don't, we end up being judgmental. There is a third identifying mark of a judgmental spirit in these verses. In verse 5, Romans 2, 5 says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Third reason is our stubbornness. There's the problem in black and white. You and I are judgmental of other sins because we're stubborn. We're unrepentant about our own sin. Jesus taught us that it's those who recognize 
how much they've been forgiven, who are the most forgiving of others. And those who are the most stubborn about their own sins, hiding from their own sins, usually are the most stubborn about judging others. Now, I would just say to you, don't get caught up in cultural confusion with this subject of being judgmental. I can say that what you're doing is wrong without judging your eternity and your relationship with God. The idea that uh, not being judgmental means I can't ever say that that's wrong or that's right, that's not what it means in the Bible. Not being judgmental means I have no right to judge your relationship with God, your eternity with God, or your salvation before Him. God is the ultimate judge for that, and we look to Him together. Not being judgmental doesn't mean you have to ignore the truth. It means you have to love people like Jesus did. My in-laws, Dot and Jimmy Warren, had a profound influence on my life and on the life of hundreds of other people, greatly due to the fact that they understood how to offer love and truth without being judgmental. This had a deep influence on their relationships. Instead of rejecting a pastor who had divorced his wife and left the ministry, they kept the door open and they slowly brought him back to spiritual health. They didn't excuse his sin. They accepted him, though, in a way that let him know he was not alone. Instead of making those who didn't know Christ feel like outsiders, they welcomed them as part of the family around a supper table or as as fishing partners out on a lake. And instead of allowing their concern for their daughter, Shondell, now my wife, who was dating a very young Christian, to cause them to look down their spiritual noses at that guy, they welcomed me with open arms and became a major influence in my growth in Jesus and my call to ministry. They understood grace and truth. You might even want to set this phrase to memory. I can make judgments without being judgmental. Judgment means being honest, just being honest about my sin and other people's sin. Being judgmental means hiding behind the sin of others. It means talking about how bad they are in a way that makes me feel better about myself. It means jumping to conclusions because I didn't really want all of the facts. And it's a lot more fun to point fingers anyway. I have to make judgments in this world, but I am not the final judge. We're going to talk about that some more tomorrow as we walk through Romans chapter 2. But right now, as we close this time together, let's talk to God about our judgmental spirit, how easy a temptation that is, and ask for his strength. Would you pray with me? And as you pray, would you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I admit it. Sometimes I have a judgmental spirit. It's easy for me to jump to conclusions. It's easy for me to think the worst. It's easy for me to uh, puff myself up by putting other people down. I want to thank you for who you are. And God, I would like to have your character. God, thank you for your tolerance. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you've been tolerant and patient and kind with me. And Jesus, help me to love others like you love me. In your name I pray, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to talk together about the cure for our judgmental spirit found beginning in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. (laughs) 